Welcome to the Faith Dialogue Podcast with your host, Pastor Ken Baer. Are you ready to swim in the deep end of the Bible pool or climb to the top of Faith Mountain? If so, open the eyes that see, those ears that hear, and a heart that is receptive. Get your cup of coffee and your Bible as we begin. Matthew, that's right, Matthew. So welcome to our 11 o'clock service. We're, we're glad that you're here. We're continuing in the Gospel of Matthew. We're now in what's called the Sermon on the Mount. And it started in chapter 5, beginning in verse 1, uh, with what's called the Beatitudes. Remember, blessed are those. That, and Jesus had assembled a large group of people uh, for the Sermon on the Mount. And many of them were the poor in heart. Many of those were those that were mourning, those that were meek. And Jesus was welcoming them first into the kingdom of God and telling them that they were blessed. But, but then he said something that was a little bit interesting. He said that their righteousness needed to exceed that of the Pharisees and the Sadducees. And, and that would throw them. That would throw them. And we're going to see that as we go through the Sermon on the Mount, chapters 5, 6, and 7, Jesus is going to continue to talk about the law, but at the same time keep raising the bar higher. Because my sermon title today is a matter of the heart. You see, the idea of the law is not the external appearance of the law, but it really all begins in the heart. So this, this, is, this is an idea that Jesus is going to introduce today, but at the same time, going to continue all the way through the, the Sermon on the Mount. Um, so let's go ahead and get started, and you can follow along in your bulletins or on the screen. Um, it starts in chapter 5, verse 21. Jesus says, he says, You have heard that it was said to those of old, You shall not murder. And whoever murders is in danger of judgment. But I say to you that whoever is angry with his brother without a cause shall be in danger of judgment. And whoever says to his brother, Raka, shall be in danger of the council. But whoever says, You fool, shall be in danger of hellfire. Therefore, if you bring your gift to the altar and there remember that your brother has something against you, leave your gift there before the altar and go your way. First be reconciled with your brother and then come to offer your gift. Agree with your adversary quickly while you are on your way with him, lest your adversary deliver you to the judge. The judge hand you over to the officer and you be thrown in prison. Assuredly, I say to you, you will by no means get out of there till you have paid the last penny. Interesting words of Jesus, isn't it? We're going to kind of go through these. There are only five verses. We'll kind of go through them verse by verse. You know, last week we read from the same gospel, and my sermon title was Salt and Light. Remember Salt and Light. And we said the importance about that is that Jesus, at the end of the Beatitudes, said, remember that you will be persecuted. You will be hated, okay? Many will come and persecute you, but you will be blessed. Um, and we said that because of that, many start ducking. They start turning away from sharing the truth. You know, those of you that have been Christians, those of you that have read the Gospels, those of you that read your Bible have the truth, and the truth will set you free. The truth will also set others free, but it's all too often we, we duck. It's easier sometimes not to open our mouth than to open it and to be criticized by others that don't like the morality that we stand for. But Jesus said that you are salt and light. 
Salt was needed because the world was rapidly decaying. Light is needed because the world is in, in darkness. And Jesus said, continue to be salt and light. Salt and light. And one of the things that Jesus talked about was that, that he didn't come to destroy the law. In fact, this is what the verse said. We met with this last week. He said, do not think that I came to destroy the law or the prophets. I did not come to destroy but to fulfill. For surely I say to you, till heaven and earth pass away, not one jot or one tittle. We talked about what that was, remember? The jot was the smallest letter, the tittle was the little line. Not, not one jot or tittle will by no means pass away until the law is fulfilled. This is an interesting comment by Jesus, and we explained that there were some, primarily the Pharisees and the Sadducees, that believed that Jesus was doing away with the law that he was coming in. You know, so often that happens, doesn't it? Even when today, when there's a revival, or when a preacher comes in and he's giving you something interesting, when you're being challenged, you're sometimes saying maybe they're departing from the law. Because sometimes we don't want to change. And so Jesus was challenging his followers. He was challenging the crowd to change. And the Pharisee says that he's departing from the law, but Jesus said no. Jesus said, yeah, I was not there to destroy the law, but to fulfill it. There would be a, a future time when the Messiah would go to the cross. He would be the perfect lamb of God that was sacrificed for the sin of the world. That was how Jesus was going to fulfill the law. And in Jesus and through believing in Jesus and his death and his resurrection and his second coming, we who believe would be, have a righteousness the righteousness that Jesus would give us. It was his righteousness, and that's how we would be even more righteous than the Pharisees. But, but right now, they don't know that. Right now, they're, they're listening to Jesus, and Jesus is challenging them. He's challenging them that really this, this sixth commandment that he speaks about, thou shalt not murder, is really not about the external happenings of the sixth commandment, but it actually begins in the heart. And again, that's my message for today, which is a matter of the heart. So let's get into the particulars. First of all, Jesus said he wasn't there to destroy the law. The law was still operable. The moral code is what keeps peace among people. Jesus is going to talk about having peace with your neighbor. You know, so often we, we say that fences make good neighbors, right? <laughs> Big fences make good neighbors. Well, actually, it's the moral code. Thou shalt not steal. Thou shalt not lust after your neighbor's wife. Thou shalt, not, thou, thou shalt not bear false witness. Those are the things that keep peace between neighbors. And Jesus says that that, that begins in the heart. And secondly, Jesus says we have to be even more righteous than the Pharisees. Now remember, what I said last week is that when we think of Pharisees and Sadducees, we think of hypocrites. But actually, they were very moral people. They were people that really wanted to do what God wanted them to do. They were the leaders. They were the rabbis. They were the teachers. The people would look to the Pharisees as an example. And when Jesus said they needed to be more righteous than the Pharisees, this, this blew their mind. How could I possibly be even more righteous than them? They are the pastors. They're the teachers. They're the rabbis. How can I be more righteous than them? So let's get into the teaching. Jesus says this in verse 21. He says, You have heard that it was said of old, You shall not murder, and whoever murders will be in danger of judgment. But I say to you that whoever is angry with his brother, without cause, shall be in danger of judgment. You know, Jesus is talking about the law. And he says that it's really a matter of the heart. It starts in the heart. It isn't so much the externality of it, but it really begins in the heart. Now, 
Some of you might have grown up with uh, King James. I use the new King James. In the King James, it says, thou shalt not kill. And it uses it here in this verse as well as back in Exodus when it talks about the Ten Commandments. The, command, the Sixth Commandment is thou shalt not kill. And that actually causes a lot of frustration with people. But you have to understand that since the 16th century, the 17th century, 1611 is when the King James came out, uh, the language changes. Uh, did you remember when gay means happy? Do you, do you remember that? I mean, that wasn't that long ago. The English language changes. At one time in the English language, not in the Hebrew, but in the ling English language, to kill and to murder was basically used interchangeably. Now in the Hebrews, there's actually two different words. There's a word harag, which is to kill, and the word ratzak, which is to murder. And the King James actually used it properly in some places, but in some places it would use the wrong word. For example, in Numbers chapter 35, it says, if, however, anyone strikes a person with an iron object and kills him, that person is a murderer. The murderer must surely be put to death. So today we understand quite, quite easily in the English language, there's a big difference between killing and murder, right? Now killing is the broader definition. To kill means to take a, a life, whether it's a human being or an animal, to take a human life deliberately or by accident is still killing. Taking a human life, whether it's legal or illegally, moral or immoral, it's still killing. However, we use a different word for murder. Murder has a lot to do with what? The heart, the intention. So for example, it's also the act. So for example, we would say, I killed a mosquito, right? We don't say I murdered a mosquito. We say uh, soldiers, soldiers, our troops are sometimes killed in action. They're killed on the battlefield. They're not murdered on the battlefield. They're killed on the battlefield because it has to do with the heart and what they're trying to serve. But back in the 1611, in the King James, they didn't understand the difference in the language. It was all basically the same. Jesus started off by saying, you've heard it said. You've heard it said, thou shalt not kill. Don't you find that a little interesting? You've heard it said. Well, don't they have their Bibles? You know, haven't they read this for themselves? Well, they haven't. Where did they get the moral law? This multitude that's on the hill, listening to the Sermon on the Mount, where did they get the law? Well, they got it from the Pharisees and the Sadducees. So when Jesus says, you've heard it said, he's pointing basically to the Pharisees and the Sadducees because he's making a point. He's making a point that they're talking about the externality of the law, and Jesus is going to talk about the heart. Jesus is now talking with authority. In fact, that's what it says at the end of the Sermon on the Mount, that he spoke with authority, not like the, the scribes and the Pharisees. Jesus is refining, or better yet, redefining the Sixth Commandment. Jesus can do that because Jesus is God. Jesus is redefining the Sixth Commandment, and he says the Sixth Commandment doesn't start when you plunge a knife into somebody. It doesn't start when you pull a trigger. It actually begins in the heart. It actually begins with, with anger. To them, to the scribes and Pharisees, it was all about the external performance. It was never about the heart. But Jesus is, not, is saying it actually begins with the heart. And anger begins in the heart. Now, Jesus is not saying that anger is the same as murder. Not at all. He's saying the commandment covers both. The Ten Commandments basically covers all of your attitudes, all of your impressions, all of your responses and your communications with your fellow man. The Ten Commandment covers it all. Remember, it was all summarized in two. 
Honor the Lord your God with all your heart, your soul, and your strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. And Jesus said, this is the summary of all of the commandments. It all has to do with the heart. Now, we know that to murder another human being, a person that was born and fashioned uh, by the, under the image of God, is horrendous. The Bible is very clear that that should be punished. And when society doesn't punish a murderer, the society is in error. The first crime, the first human crime, was when Cain killed Abel. And all through the scriptures, we know how God feels about murder. It's punishable by death. If we learn all kinds of things about murder. Uh, by the way, the Bible happens to say that murder and actually anger is all authored by the devil. Did you know that? In John 8.44, it says, The devil is a murderer and the author of murder. That's the devil. Later, we continue in our study in the Gospel of Matthew. We'll arrive at chapter 15. In Matthew chapter 15, that's a few months from now, Jesus will say this. He says, For out of the heart, a matter of the heart, out of the heart proceeds evil thoughts, murders, adulteries, fornications, thefts, false witness, blasphemies. And by the way, those are the things that Jesus is going to get to in the Sermon on the Mount. He's going to teach, talk about each one of these things and actually raise the bar. For example, we know adultery starts with the eye, right? If you're lusting after somebody else, you're already committing adultery. Now, people that know the law, the law is what's called jurisprudence, um, understand that when you convict somebody, if somebody goes to trial, especially for murder, there are two things that are very important. Intent and motive. Intent and motive, because intent and motive makes the difference between what we know as manslaughter and murder. If you're, you're driving, you're driving a little bit too fast, and you don't mean to, but you're driving a little bit too fast and you strike another individual, you strike a pedestrian, you kill that individual, you can be found guilty of manslaughter because the intention and your heart wasn't trying to kill somebody, you were just driving too fast. Still a horrible crime and it's punishable, but it's manslaughter, it's not murder. Uh, it depends on whether it's premeditated. This, by the way, all of these things come from the Bible and they're in our modern American law. It's kind of interesting, isn't it? So heart comes, out of the heart come these actions that often bring condemnation. But Jesus says this, he says, he says, whoever says to his brother, Raka, shall be in danger of the council, but whoever says you fool shall be in danger of hellfire. Now Jesus is not making a difference between fool and Raka. He's using words that are slander, slanderous terms. In fact, today we really don't know what this word Raka means. Have you ever told somebody Raka? I never have. I don't know what Raka means. In some translations, it, it says um, idiot. Some says it says uh, you fool. Okay, I think that's in the Living Bible. I like the Good News translation. The Good News translation says you good for nothing. I love that. You good for nothing. My mother used to use that term sometimes. You good for that's as bad as, as as evil as she would ever get out of her mouth. You good for nothing. But the idea is this: it's a it's a malicious term. If you're using a malicious term to talk about somebody, whether you call them a dog or a fool or an idiot or whatever that is, that's, that's an inverse understanding that there's something that's wrong in your heart. You're, you're slandering a person. And Jesus says, under the sixth commandment, this itself is, is, is a violation of that because it's a matter of the heart. Your heart needs to be better than that. You've got to think better than that of other people. You don't want to insult people. You don't want to insult people that are, uh, that are created in the image of God. God will hold you accountable for that. You see, Jesus is setting the bar higher, right? 
It isn't just the externality. It's not just plunging a knife in somebody, but it actually begins in the heart. The Pharisees, however, always made the law lower because they wanted to be righteous. The Pharisees were basically said, I must be righteous. I haven't murdered anybody, so I must be righteous. Jesus says, not so quick. Not so quick. It really begins in the heart. It's a matter of the heart. Jesus is reminding the people that the intention of the law, Jesus sets the bar higher. He he's not concerned about the external, but the internal. Jesus sets the bar higher, and immediately we begin to understand what Jesus said, that our righteousness needs to exceed the righteousness of the Pharisees. Now, after Jesus' ministry continues, but we'll eventually discover that because of Calvary and Jesus' sacrificial death, Jesus will provide a righteousness that's greater than the Pharisees. Uh, because right now, righteousness apart from the law is available to us. In fact, here's a little sneak peek. A little sneak peek at the righteousness that Jesus talks about. It's a Romans chapter 3. Jesus says, but now, which means right now, Right now, completely apart from the law, the law that Jesus is talking about, the Ten Commandments, a righteousness from God has been made known. The law and the prophets actually testify to it. This righteousness from God comes through faith in Jesus Christ to all and over all who believe. In fact, there is no difference because all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. So Jesus is going to continue to raise the bar in the Sermon on the Mount, and the people are going to wonder, how can I possibly get to that bar? How can I possibly be more righteous? We have the answer. The answer is given here and in other places in the Gospels because of, of Jesus Christ. You can be a whosoever. So let's continue to the next section. The next section, Jesus brings us to the altar. What does the altar refer to? It refers to our worship what we did this morning. What does Jesus say? He says, therefore, if you bring your gift to the altar and there remember that your brother or your sister has something against you, leave your gift there before the altar and go your way. First be reconciled to your brother and then come and offer your gift. You see, Jesus is talking about our worship. You know, it's one thing to have a clean hands. You know, the Pharisees were all concerned about having clean hands to come to the altar. They would have these ceremonial dishes where they would wash their hands and then one of the, one of the boys would come over or somebody would come over and give them this large towel and they would make a, a big to-do about washing their hands before doing them to the altar. And Jesus says, when you come to the altar, you might be washing your hands, but check your heart. Because if you have still something against your brother, stop whatever you're doing before you worship and go and reconcile with your brother. You know, Jesus is basically saying, do you have anger in your heart? Did you call your neighbor a fool, an idiot, a nitwit? Did you attack his character? Well, if you did, go reconcile with your brother. Go reconcile with your brother if you want to be worshipful. The Apostle Paul says it this way. Apostle Paul says in chapter 12 of Romans, he said, if it's possible, as much as it depends on you, live peaceably with all men. Now, now, sometimes people just aren't going to like you. They're just not going to like you. But if, as, long as, it, as long as it's possible with you, live at peace with other people. If somebody has something against you, try to reconcile that and do that before you worship. Let's go on with the last couple of verses. Jesus says this, he says, agree with your adversary quickly while you're still on your way with him, lest your adversary deliver you to the judge. 
the judge hand you over to the officer and you be thrown into prison. Assuredly, I say to you, you will by no means get out of there till you have paid the last penny. Notice this word quickly. Jesus says, get to an agreement before you get to the judge. Get to an agreement, settle out of court. You know, it's interesting. 2,000 years after this has been written, we understand it perfectly, right? Have you ever been to court? I mean, have you watched the shows about going to court and stuff like that? It doesn't matter how good of a judge you have. It doesn't matter how good your attorney is. You might think you have an airtight case that somebody has done you wrong. And you're going to go before the judge and you're going to prove that they've done you wrong and they owe you compensation, okay? But you can watch Judge Judy and find that things all of a sudden turn very quickly against you. You never can tell what the outcome is going to be before the judge. This is what Jesus is saying. Settle with your adversary quickly. Do it now. Don't wait before you don't wait until you get before the judge because things can go horribly wrong before the judge. Jesus is saying, hey, don't go to court. On a very practical basis, Jesus tells us to settle quickly. Anger and malice. Don't let your heart, get this, be imprisoned. Because that's actually what happens. You see, you don't even have to go to court. You don't have to go before a judge in order to know what it's like to be in prison. Because if you harbor anger and hatred in your heart, Jesus is, is saying you'll quickly find yourself imprisoned. This is actually what, what he's talking about. Hatred often genuinely imprisons us. The Apostle Paul expresses the same idea. Jesus said, the Apostle Paul says this in Ephesians. He says, do not let the sun go down on your wrath. You know, often you found that if you're married, if you have a, a spouse, a husband and wife, my wife and I, there's, there's been times when I've, when I've gone, to, uh, gone to bed and, and I've been angry. And it's a horrible night to feel that I'm angry with my spouse. We need to, to reconcile. We find our sleep is so much better when we reconcile quickly, very, very quickly. You'll find that I, I'm often wrong. I have to repent very, very quickly in our household. But as long as you repent and you try to reconcile, you're going to have that good night's sleep. Jesus is giving very, very practical advice. Jesus is saying, number one, reconcile quickly. Get into an agreement. Don't let it wait. Don't wait until you get to summons that you're being taken to court. And number two, if there is a legal issue, and I'm telling you today, if you have a legal issue, try to settle. There's been some Christians that have come to me and they've, they've, they wanted me to pray with them. They wanted some advice. They wanted some encouragement. And they want to go to court against another Christian. And I said, have you read your Bible? We don't go to court against another Christian. We just don't do that. You've got to find some way. It's better to be wronged than to go to court against a, another Christian. Here's a little tidbit about the Jewish law. In the Jewish law, when a man was adjudged guilty, guilty, he was headed over, handed over to a court officer. And that court officer charged him as a debtor would extract whatever that damage was. So if a man owed so many denarii or so much money and stuff like that, the court officer would try to extract that money from him. And if the person couldn't pay, he was thrown into prison, a debtor's prison. Did you know we had debtor's prisons until the 20th century? All the way into the 19th century, all the way through the, up to the 20th century, we still had debtor prisons in many parts of the country as well as the world. People would throw you in prison if you owed money. In some countries, that, that still happens. The point is this, is that if you're in prison, you can't pay the money back. And that's what Jesus is saying. He says, if you get that far, you're going to be in prison. And by the time you're in prison, it's, it's too difficult. 
you want to do, time is of the essence. You want to do it, do it now. So let's go ahead and sum this lesson up. Let's just sum up what Jesus is saying in modern, a modern vernacular, like kind of a, a living Bible. Jesus says this. He says, crowd, listen to me. You Pharisees, you think you've got it all right? You think you're righteous because of your externality? But I tell you the truth, just because you don't murder somebody doesn't mean you're righteous. Because if you have anger in your heart, you're already guilty. And let me tell you, if you're washing your hands when you come to the altar and thinking about making you clean, but you still have something in your heart against your brother, against your sister, against another native of this land, you've got to go reconcile with them first because your worship is meaningless unless you first take care of that. And I'm telling you, you need to do it now because your righteousness needs to exceed where you are right now. You think you're righteous, but I'm telling you that you are not. When you, when, you're, when you malign somebody, when you're a hypocrite, when you curse, when you're angry, the same judgment that is a, a, a attributed to those that break the sixth commandment is also attributed to you. You see, Jesus is, is preaching. You, we close today, but Jesus will keep on teaching all the way through chapter 7. He's just getting started on the Sermon on the Mount. He's going to radically tell them how sinful they actually are. He's going to talk about adultery, which is also a matter of the heart, about marriage. He's going to talk about fasting and worrying and judging other people. And no doubt the purpose of Jesus' sermon was to make people feel that they were under condemnation. Sometimes people have to understand how bad they truly are before they look for a Savior, before they look for a different way out. We don't want people to live under condemnation, however, because Jesus provides a better way. In fact, Romans chapter 8 says this. He says, therefore, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Let me give you the whole verse. Chapter 8 says, there is now, there, there is now therefore no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus, who do not walk according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. For the law of the spirit of life in Christ has made me free from the law of sin and death. For what the law could not do, that it was weak through flesh, God did by sending his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh on account of sin. Then it says, he condemned sin in the flesh. That was Jesus. Jesus nailed it to the cross that the righteous requirement of the law might be fulfilled in us who do not walk according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. For those who live according to the flesh set their minds, their hearts, on the things of the flesh. But those who live according to the Spirit, the things of the Spirit. You see, Jesus says it all begins in the heart. But here's the point. Do you know where it ends? It ends at the cross. Begins with the heart, but it ends at the cross. You can be free from condemnation because Jesus can start to change your heart. Amen? Amen. Amen. Let's pray. Father God, we want to thank you, Lord. You've been listening to Faith Dialogue with Pastor Ken Baer, recorded live at Celebrate Seniors, a ministry of Faith Dialogue. You can listen to or watch all of the recordings at Faith Dialogue by going to www.faithdialogue.com. Dialogue.org.